0: Alright guys, uh, so today, uh, again, if, you don't know, if you don't know me, my name is Andy, one of the pastors here at Restored. Uh, we're continuing our series in Paul's letter to the Romans. And if you're new, we're uh, kind of at a midway point through the book. Um, but but uh, the book of Romans is kind of a big picture view of the world and of the scriptures themselves. And so Paul, in the first seven chapters of Romans, again it was a letter originally, but the first seven chapters that we have in our English Bibles, he's been revealing to us that the root issue... Of what is really wrong with the world that we live in is our estrangement from God as the human race. That we were created to know God, to be known by God, to love God, to be loved by God, and then to know and love others. And that after sin uh, entered the world through the fall, um, that as a human race we have taken on um, a posture of hiding, not being known. A, a posture of blaming, a posture of not loving, um, and a posture you know, of using others. And that has infected our, our, our own sense of identity that has impacted our mental health, that has impacted our families, that has impacted our friends' groups, that it's impacted our neighborhoods and our cities and the structures and the economies and the systems and, 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 and on and on and on it goes, that where people go, where we go, if we are not, uh, if we are estranged from God, we bring that with us and people get hurt. But on the flip side, Paul is saying uh, God wants, if, if the fundamental promise that we are estranged from God, that there is a God who wants to reconcile with us, and that in the person and work of Jesus, he has made a, a way for us to be reconciled to God. And so Paul's been unpacking both our need for the gospel, you know, what Jesus did and what that, and what that is. And so as we move into Romans 8, Paul transition, uh, transitions into something new. And that's what the gospel brings. Not just what it is, but what the gospel brings. You know, what is offered to us through the gospel. Now that we have been reconciled to God, what is now truth for us? I mentioned a few weeks back, uh, Romans 8 could be a mini-series. It's just bringing out benefits of the gospel. Uh, I said we're doing a mini-series called That New New. It is just new stuff. Uh, Five weeks ago, we talked about the new peace with God that we can have because there's now no condemnation in Romans 8.1. Four weeks ago, John talked about the new hope we have in Romans 8, 18 to 30. Three weeks ago, I talked about the new perspective we can have in Romans 8, 1, 2, 9. Last week, I talked about the new spirit we have, the Holy Spirit of God, God himself dwelling in us, doing things in us and through us in Romans 8, 9 through 13. And so today, we're going to continue on this theme of new stuff that the gospel brings in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 14. So if you have Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. And today... We're going to be looking at the theme of a new father, a new father. And I want to talk about um, kind of how he became our father and and how he likes to engage with his kids. What what gifts does he give us? So Romans chapter 8, we'll actually start in verse 12 just to give context. Romans chapter 8 starting in verse 12, it says, So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That there's this, this flesh, this sinful, broken part of you, this dysfunctional part of you, this part of you, that before you meet Jesus, it dominates your life. And that after you meet Jesus, it's a battle to deal with. But that actually we don't have to listen to the broken part of who we are anymore, the sinful part of who we are anymore. Um, we can now listen to the Spirit, which leads us to verse 14. For all those led by God's spirits are God's sons. Now, the word for in verse 14, it links it to the previous verse. Okay, so what Paul is saying that you, as a follower of Jesus, you're not obligated to the flesh. Instead, we get to be grateful, adopted children of God who are led by the Spirit. So we're not motivated by guilt, we're motivated by gratitude, and our power is not willpower, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And when Paul says led by God's Spirit, he means being led into becoming like Jesus. He's not saying a random being led by, you know, being led to be a missionary to Nicaragua or something like that. That could happen. But in this context, he's saying becoming like Jesus. His person, his love, his heart. If the Spirit's at work in your life, he's making you like your big brother, Jesus, and he's, he's helping you take on the family likeness. Now, again, I mentioned this last week, ladies. Um, I don't want you to feel left out here by the fact that Paul says you are God's sons and not you are his sons and daughters. Again, he uses sons because in those days, sons got all the inheritance. It's actually better for you to be put in this category of sons because you now have the same privileges as first century firstborn sons. In the family of God. You are a full heir of God's whole estate. And so, and again, no, no metaphor is perfect. Uh, men are excluded when Paul calls the church the bride of Christ. Uh, so daughters um, are, are included in the analogy of sons. So, 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 so yeah, so long story short, uh, we're both included. So the Spirit's taking us somewhere, and he's making us like someone. That's, we covered this last week. He's making us like the Father. And so now that's what I want to get into today, is, is who is this new Father? that we're slowly but surely becoming like. So uh, I wanna take a quick look at how God became our father. Now the scriptures teach again, throughout Romans, that, that as humanity, we have been estranged from God, that God um, is like a perfect father that we rejected. A matter of fact, in Luke 15, we see Jesus teaching the, the story of the prodigal son. There's this idea that as humanity, and he literally says this is, you know, what humans are like. Uh, this is, it's a parable. It's designed to teach us a, a bigger spiritual truth, and that it's as humanity, we have rejected God in a myriad of ways. He's this perfect, patient, loving father that we have rejected him, and we've left the family. Um, and that we are unreconciled and we need to be reconciled back into that family. And so actually we're going to look real quick at Galatians chapter 4 because it's going to describe how this works, how we enter into this family. So Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 4 verses 4 chapter 4, four verses 4 through 7. Man. I am cottonmouth like crazy today. All right. Let's take a second. And here we go. Verse four. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons, again, as privileged heirs. And because you are privileged heirs, God sent the spirit of his son, this son is, is a son, it's Jesus, into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then God has made you an heir. Now, when it says, Abba, Father, it's a scream, okay? It's a, this is urgent, this is important. I want you to hear this type of thing, that the Spirit is is, is crying out um, with us. And, And so this is a big deal. It means that there's this intimacy, this closeness, like I want you to know that he is your dad now. Your relationship to God is fundamentally changed because of the work of Jesus. It's not the same as a generic God, like God bless America, some random God. It's a personal God you can know who is a father. And so exposition this text, real quick, just basically that at the right time, Jesus entered into human history. He's the son born under the law. And he lives the life that you and I failed to live perfectly. He fulfilled the law in our place and then he died the death that you and I deserve to die because you and I have lived however we have wanted. We rejected God. He does the work of reconciliation. On the cross, when Jesus died, he didn't just, he didn't just die to have your sins forgiven. He died that you might be adopted by God the Father. It's as if his blood is the ink on your adoption papers, that he paid a price. And again, adoption always, I have multiple friends who have been adopted, and they know this, adoption requires choosing and a paying of a price. I wanted you and I was willing to pay a price. There's like accidental parents biologically, right? That's a thing. Uh, There is no such thing in the adoption world. You're not just walking down the street like, I think I adopted a kid yesterday. Right, no, it requires effort in a, uh, right now it costs tens of thousands of dollars pretty regularly in our country to adopt a child. Um, A a friend of mine, he he has, uh, one of his friends has two biological kids. And uh, and one of them's an adopted daughter, and he asked her, and he asked, you know, the daughter, um, you know, do do you ever feel like you're different than the other kids? Do you ever feel like you don't fit in? Or and she said, No, my parents chose me, they didn't choose my brothers. <laughs> they wanted me. They they accidentally got, but 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 they chose me. And there's a confidence in Jesus to know, man, we have been chosen. We have put our faith in Jesus. Not only have we been chosen, but there's been an enormous price that was paid to bring us into His family. We didn't show up at the orphanage like, man, can you let me in? The father went out running and brought us into a family. He paid the price, he brought us in. He knows we're a mess and we're relearning how to live in his family. This means you have infinite worth and value. The father chose you, Jesus paid the price of his own life for you, there's no greater price. And so again, it's a a wonderful thing to be forgiven by God as judge, but it is a much more remarkable thing to be to be accepted and delighted in by God the Father. I think John Stott said something like that. So as we transition, I, I do want to highlight my outline for today. I've got two points. Everyone breathe out. Got two points, and they're these. Okay, so let's go jump back to Romans eight. Our new Father gives us so many gifts. Now we're going to focus on two of them today. Our new Father gives us a new identity and a new intimacy. A new identity and a new intimacy. So I want to start with number one, a new identity. And to dig into this point, let's jump back to verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, for all those led by God's spirits are God's sons. God's privileged kids. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Same idea you see in Galatians. You see this exclamation point. You see this intensity. Um, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he taught them to start with our Father. The Aramaic word, Appa. And, uh, and so it could be dearest father. Uh, some people think it means daddy. Uh, there's kind of, it's kind of a funny thing. There's kind of an academic debate in seminaries. Like, is it, fa- is it dearest father or daddy? And it's just funny to think about these, like, really, like... <laughs> academic like take them guys real serious like it says daddy it does not say daddy Um, and it's like man I think maybe your daddy issues are keeping you from just saying it says daddy you know what I mean like they're like it's too flippant you know but 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 everyone agrees it's an endearing term for a father um uh, one theologian says God uses many words to describe himself but one is stunningly personal Abba this is thrilling and problematic though you do not have another Jesus or another Holy Spirit, but you do have another Father, and your experience with him changes the way, can change the way you see God, right? I don't know if you thought about that. Like the Holy Spirit, like we don't have another Spirit. It's kind of, kind of a weird thing, um, but you could have been severely wounded by a Father. And so here's what I know about you. Everyone in this room has a desire or ha- had a desire and still has a desire for a parent, Someone to cry out to. From your earliest ages, you're not taught to cry out. It's instinctual. And, and, and to be honest, early on for babies, it's a cry of faith. They're trusting someone's going to come to the crib and get me. Someone's going to feed me. Someone's going to do something with what just happened in my pants. Someone. And in a healthy family, over time, they learn, I, I can count on someone and I do get my needs met, and it's safe here. But for a lot of us, we didn't have that exact experience. We had, we had people who, who didn't show up in that way. Maybe they did when we were babies, but maybe it changed over time. Some of our fathers were um, abusive. Some abandoned us. I know I have multiple people in this church. Some of you guys, your fathers were taken to jail. Some of your, your fathers were physically present but emotionally absent way more interested in all kinds of things that were not their children. And here's the other thing, even phenomenal dads will eventually let us down in the sense that they do not live forever. They will not always be around. They all die. And so we can go through life looking for that fulfillment and that security we first desire when we first were like, Dada, Daddy, in the words of Olivia, Abba, or Ada. Ada. That, that That cry of our hearts, I've mentioned to some of you guys, I've been doing a family systems cohort. One of the things we do is look for patterns from our families of origin and see how, they're, how we live out the past and the present. It's almost like you're doing a role play, but no one else knows you're doing it. And we're all doing it, so it's a weird play. And we're like, we're bringing out how our family did conflict into a dynamic or how our family did finances or how our family did, you know, whatever it, it is. And we just see this, though, this I see so often as a pastor. People go, man, I just wanted a dad or a mom. I just wanted someone to be there. And now other people are paying the price in their life now because they're looking for a person to do it. And again, as adults, we might be too sophisticated to keep crying out daddy, literally. But we cry out for that love in our own way um, through romantic relationships, through, you know, random sexual relationships, through career, through financial security. We're like, I will find a way to get my needs met. And Paul says, man, God answers the question, the cry of your heart, does someone care about me and see me in Christ? That he actually can transform you from the inside out. And he releases us from the spirit of slavery and the spirit of fear. And they go hand in hand. They're very much, some people have caught in the charismatic world, they call this an orphan spirit. And I think there's some truth to that. I'm not a, a um, beloved son that, 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 that uh, I'm not, requested to draw here. I'm just a servant. I'm just a slave. I'm not a child. And because of that, because that's my identity, I think I'm a, a slave. Because of that, I'm constantly in fear because there isn't anyone like committed to me. There isn't anyone who's covenanted with me to be there no matter what. And so we become fearful of our circumstances. When bad things happen, we just think, man, my life's... I don't know if you ever, ha- if you ever have these moments. I, I, don't, I honestly think it's demonic. For me, um, it's it's pretty random, but almost every time I would take a nap, I would wake up from the nap. Not in the morning, just a nap, and I wake up and go, "I'm gonna die poor." It's the weirdest thing. I feel really judged now, you guys. Okay, but but I just have these moments where I go, "I'm I'm on my own out here." These other moments, I'll be like, "Man, do you realize the church is something that people freely give of their finance to? It could end tomorrow." right? It's not a business. We always say that. That's kind of scary. These moments where I go, man, I'm all in. I know so many entrepreneurs, same thing. My business is this close to whatever. And it might not be finances. It might be relationships. Everyone's this close to leaving you. My friends, they have one foot out the door. That's a spirit of fear. It's rolling in uh, next to a spirit of slavery. I'm on my own. This is just how life's going to be for me. And we can live under it for a long time. But then Paul says there's a spirit of adoption that the Holy Spirit, he reminds you of the fact. You have a daddy. You have an Abba. And you need to know this. You need to know this. This is everything. This is Christianity. I'll read a quote in a second. If you don't get this, if you don't know what it means to know you are loved and valued, and that you have someone you can trust regardless of your circumstances, life is too scary to make it. But if you know that you have a father who is always with you, like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, this is a very bad circumstance, but he is with me, he is sustaining me, he will give me what I need. You're gonna be all right. You're gonna make it. He releases us from these other spirits, these promises of the gospel that we are fully loved by our father, that we're not slaves who need to be afraid. We're we're children who stand secure which leads to my second point. There's this new intimacy, there's this new intimacy. Now, we've taught on this a lot over the years, like this isn't super new stuff in some ways. It's, we're never too good for it or beyond this, by the way, if you're like, oh man, adoption's so lame. Teach me about the end times, was Like, all right, dude, I don't think you get adoption. <laughs> It's, it's remarkably beautiful, all right? Now, normally when we, I feel like I've talked about intimacy, I feel like oftentimes what we talk about is like prayer and intimacy building practices. And I feel like as a church, that's kind of things that we've talked about a lot when we thought through intimacy. But I was, as I was preparing this, and the thing that came to mind to me with intimacy was um, kids that are really intimate to their parents, they let their parents in and they share stuff. So not just prayer, but, but not just time together, but like an authenticity. And a lot of times it's silly and petty or embarrassing, or really needy, like, I think I need help wiping my butt. Or I have this, you know, random fear. I, for whatever reason, I thought of intimacy as, as God entering into tender places with us, places that an ancient Israelite couldn't have dreamed of in the Old Covenant. I know D- David had thoughts of it in the Psalms. We see, you know, who is man that you are mindful of me? Man, I'm just a human, and you see me, and you know me. But, but this just, I, I hope this Hope this hope this helps us this morning. Um, he gets close enough to us to help us with things that overwhelm us. Um, kids are generally overwhelmed easier than adults, okay? Now, that's not every kid, and some kids are blessed. They're young enough to be like, I don't know what's happening, right? <laughs> if I have Honey Nut Cheerios, it, we, the entire economy be, could be going, you know, I'm fine. There's a, a freedom to be like a kid. But once you hit like seven, eight, nine, 10, you're aware of what's going on with your parents, uh, what they're talking about. Um, uh, and you just become more uh, aware of yourself, right? You're, you become insecure. You, 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 you realize, hopefully, if you're healthy, you, how you impact others, and you start to uh, wonder how that's going. Um, you know, kids tend to be insecure, and, and see, they often set, tend to see less possibilities to solve their problems, um, and, uh, and they come to you with issues. Now, again, good parents, um, they take things that overwhelm their kids seriously, but they're not overwhelmed by what their kids are overwhelmed by. Does that make sense? Uh, or they would be of no help. Uh, to them all right so, so again uh, for example uh, to not take it seriously at all your, your kid comes in man everyone hates me at school right be super be like get over it or me too <laughs> must be your you know just deal with it yourself right no, no no it's not taking your kids what they're going through seriously on the flip side though right it also wouldn't be helpful to be like what are you going to do if you don't make friends now you're, you're dying alone man our family names on not like, 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 don't be weird, man. Don't be weird. We need friends. I need friends. I like Zach's mom. I'm, I'm the mom in this scenario. Take it easy. Right? <laughs> man, Zach, Zach's dad's so cool. I'm dreaming of going fishing with him someday. Like, I, like I'd love to surf with, whatever it is. Um, you're more overwhelmed than they are. Like, anyone tell you that that's not helpful. Option three is they say, man, everyone hates me at school. And you go, man, oh, buddy, why do you say that? Do you feel safe at school? Is there anything you did that might have hurt someone's feelings? You you ask these questions in order of importance here. Man, you know what? It can be really hard when it feels like people don't like us. I'm so sorry you're you're going through that. But I want you to know that it's their loss. You're an amazing kid. And I know you're an amazing friend. Do you know there's there's always someone who will appreciate being your friend? You might need to look for friends in a different group. But I know this is hard and it's sad. But I want you to know I really love you. We really love you. They're, they all clearly need glasses. They can't see who you really are. But you know what, you're gonna be okay. I promise you're gonna be okay. Like kid, kids need that, right? I take what you're going through seriously. I slow down to listen to it and engage with it. I don't just, right? So let's parents, you just threw it to the side. We, we don't wanna do that. But we also want you know, a parent who's not freaked out. They're calm, they're stable and accessible. There is no one more stable and secure than the sovereign king of the universe and no one who gets us like he does. As a culture, we've been like, getting way too into empathy, I think, and here's why. No person's ever gonna be able to fully feel exactly what you feel. Empathy is awesome, but f- at the end of the day, no one's gonna be able to feel exactly what you're feeling like he can. And again, kids lose perspective, right? Uh, they come to me and say wild stuff all the time. Uh, one of my favorite was, my brother called me a crybaby butt face. And they told me that with tears in their eyes. And I just had to say, Hey, but are, are you a crybaby butt face? No, no. Who cares what he says? That's not true. We can laugh at that. We do the same thing. How your spouse feels about you, how your boss feels about you. It's like, man, wh- what do they think I am? It's like, you need to know who you are. Um, they get scared, right? Like they, like they lose perspective. They get scared. They hear a random noise. They're like, someone's breaking in right now. They run downstairs, jump into your arms, and you, and you just calmly should get You take it seriously. You go up with them. You kind of show them, right? Hey, there's nothing here. We're good. Uh, one of my favorite uh, moments, it was initially frustrating, but it was funny so, uh, as a dad. Um, I remember one time I had all three kids with me in the car. Uh, Jackie wasn't with us, and I wanted to go into an AMPM real quick um, and get gum. It was cold out. Their car seats were a project, um, except for Clives. And, uh, and and seriously, it was like six steps to the door. It was a see-through door. The gum's right at the counter. This is ten steps away. I'm gonna lock the door. It's cold out, not hot. They were in no danger. could see them the entire night. when I went on my way, I was like, hey, see you guys right. And because at this time, Calvin, if, if he had any sense, Right, there was no line. I knew it could be in and out. If he had any sense, he was going to get left. And usually, it was just if the door was shut, so we could be right next to the car. If the door was shut, he'd freak out. If the door was open, I could be kind of far. Um, but uh, but I shut the door to lock it to, to actually keep him safe. And I just remember he f- he just started freaking out, and I came out, and he was like, "Clive's like, I can't calm him down. He's scared." So I came back and I said, "Cal, man, I, I I I see you. You're not in danger. I'm I'll right. never leave you in danger, but I would never put you in a position where I didn't I couldn't see you." And I wanted to understand that he wasn't actually in danger and that I loved him. And so to help him see this with the car door open, because that helped him, I walked away from the car. And uh, have I told this story before? Oh, great. Okay. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> but, but, I, but I walked away uh, and, I, and I took 10 steps, which is how far, you know, it would have been in. And the entire time I said, I can see you. See, I can see you. I can see you. I can see you. This is after the gum trip. And then to show him, hey, you know, the only difference is the door shut. I said, I'm going to shut the door, and I'm gonna, I want you to see. It's going to be 10 steps. And I, and I walked, shut the door, walked the six steps, and then I opened up. You know, I was counting out loud. And I opened up the door to the AMPM, and I said, I can see you. I can see you. And, and I stepped back out, and he was like, okay, da-da-da-da. Now, um, what was really funny about that story is, is that uh, Calvin was, was calmed down. That being said, there was a, uh, the door was clear. You could see in and out. But when he walked in, there was, a, there was a case on the right where the cashier couldn't see who was standing there, even though my kids could see me. So, so this cashier just hears a, a grown man say, I can see you, and then shut the door. <laughs> Watch me, uh, we watched him run around to the window to like look and see. <laughs> Real serial killer vibe. Now, in all seriousness, you guys, we're all grown up, most of us. But wasn't what Calvin was afraid of what we all fear? I'm going to be vulnerable and alone. That wasn't his reality, but it felt that way. It's not your reality if you're in Christ, but it can feel that way. And like Calvin, we can start acting out and get kind of wild and, and our, our siblings are like, hey, what, you know, dude, stop hitting me or freaking out or screaming. or. And we need someone to say, I can see you. I got you. You're going to be all right. I love you and I see you. We, we need the Father's perspective. We need him to say, here is who I am. Here's what I've done for you. Here's who you are. Here's what I am doing in your life. Here is what, here's where you are going no matter what and no one get in the way of it. Here's how what you're facing right now is small in light of that reality. Here's how you actually are being transformed. You are not hopeless. Here's why you really want to make that financial decision. Here's your actual motives. Here's why you feel like you need this person's approval. Here's what's really going on. And he lovingly points it out and sets you free where you're stuck. So Paul just says in this passage, man, we have good news. We do not need to be afraid anymore. It's not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of adoption. You are a beloved child, and you can know he will never leave you or forsake you. Again, in the Garden of Gethsemane, leading up to the cross, we're told that Jesus cries out, Abba, Father. It's that same cry. I don't think we talk about this enough. We're we're called to become like Jesus. One of the ways we can become like Jesus is we cry out to Daddy when we're scared. That's Christ-like. Again, he was condemned that I might be forgiven. He was pushed away so that I could be drawn in. And the fact that I've been drawn in, the fact that I have confidence because of Him in my relationship with the Father, that means I don't have to be afraid of bad circumstances anymore. The Father will always help me. He's always watching, He's always loving, He's always knowing, and He promises to be with me through all of it according to His good plan for me. That's good even if I can't see that it is in a given moment. I no longer need the the assurance. By the way, we no longer need, I no longer need it when, we're in, when I'm in this space, by the way. We can lose sight of this real quick. But when we're walking in the fact that we have been adopted by this father, um, we don't need good circumstances to have joy and security. Because we know he is with us, and he can be our joy and security. And Again, guys, this is everything when it comes to following Jesus. Uh, one of my favorite theologians in the world, J.I. Packer, he wrote a book called Knowing God. Um, it's harder to read than Delighting in the Trinity, but it's a super important book too, I'd read. It's a classic, it's like 50 years old, It's this old English guy. And, and he says this, he says, you can sum up the whole of New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's holy father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's loved child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means they do not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Jesus taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctly, uh, distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Hebrew is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. Our understanding of Christianity cannot be cannot be better than our grasp of adoption. Jesus died to give you a dad. Your dad's a king and he has a kingdom. There's a lot going on in the Bible theologically, but fundamentally we've been reconciled to our heart's true home, to our dad. Even if you had a bad earthly father, you can know this. You now have an Abba father your spirit's always longed for, who is there, who's always been there. Now I want to close in a way, um, in a weird way, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it's a way preachers are uh, trained to never close a sermon, and it's a long quote from a commentary. So I'm going to do that real quick. It's fire. It's just too good, and it would have been straight plagiarism if I was trying to—I it, it's, it's, read it, and I'm like, this is amazing, so I want to read it. Um, but the other thing I want to do is apply that into a time of prayer. It's this is uh, from a guy named Tony Morita in his commentary on the book of Romans. He says, moreover— This intimacy with the Father is powerfully underscored as Paul says that the Spirit enables us to cry out, Abba, Father. This, listen to this, this Abba cry relates to the phrases before and after it. Because we are adopted children, fear is replaced with acceptance. And we cry out to our Father knowing he hears us and loves us. In times of desperation and profound weakness, we can cry out to our Father as Jesus cried out in the Garden of Gethsemane. Sometimes you can only manage to say Father as your entire prayer because you are so brokenhearted over the stuff of life. But even then, your Father hears you we can cry out to him in prayer, not just on our best days, but on our worst days as well. Even when you cannot formulate a prayer, the Spirit of God gives you the instinct to cry to the Father, Father, oh Father. He hears our groaning, and in that cry you are given assurance that you are an adopted child of God. Now four more sentences, just, just please. Regarding this new intimacy, the last and related thing is that the spirit stirs up affections for the father. As adopted children of the father, we love him. Interestingly, in Galatians 4:6 the spirit is sent into our hearts crying, "Abba, Father," but in Romans 8:15 it says, "We cry out, Abba, Father." So who is crying Abba, Father? Us or the spirit? It appears to be similar to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3. No one says Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That is when we say Jesus is Lord, it is the fruit of the Spirit's work in us. And here in Romans 8, when we cry, Abba, Father, it is the fruit of the Spirit's work in us. Just as the Spirit gives us affections for the Savior Jesus, so too he gives us affections for the Father. Last sentence. Adopted children of God are not interested in using God. They are interested in adoring him. The spirit has created this intimate fellowship with Abba. I think that if we are walking in a spirit of fear, in a spirit of slavery, which actually isn't ours anymore. It's a false identity. It's a false uh, spirit. It's a false um, perspective on life, I think that often we will think the the love of this father is too good to be true. I just don't believe it. And I love what he says here regarding this new intimacy. The last and related thing is that the spirit stirs up the affections for the father. So when it's too good to be true, you can go, spirit, make it not just true, but real to me. I want to feel this In other words, we need the Spirit again to help us cry, Abba, Father. And so, what I wanted to do right now, if you guys would just close your eyes for a second. You can hold your phone in your purse if you're nervous. We're not trying to take anything. But close your eyes for a second. We're going to go into a time of worship. Keep your eyes closed. Do your best to be present. I know many of us, especially because of the wounds and vacuums from our earthly father, that we're on a journey where we're learning to trust a father again. I know some of you guys individually, I know your story is that and you're getting closer and you're getting closer and you're getting closer. And you know what? The father's, uh, he's patient and he's so proud of you, if that's you. And so this morning, I, I thought it would be really helpful to take a second. And, and, if, and if, if you're comfortable with this, I would encourage you to do this. But as you keep your eyes closed, if you'd, you'd open up your hands, just kind of set them on your lap. Open-handed to receive. By the way, this isn't magic. Uh, don't do this if you don't want to experience more of the Father's love. But if you're like, you know what? I'm scared, but I want to want you, Father. Or I, I experience your love, Father, and I want to know more of it. Just in your own heart, would you just say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me, would you fill my heart with the love of the Father? Would you help me to believe that he likes me and loves me? That he sees me and knows me? Just take a second to do that. As you keep your eyes closed, just ask him for more and more love in your own way. Might be also helpful to ask for the Father's love as it pertains to the brothers and sisters in this room. Dads love their kids; they don't have favorites. Someone you need help. more moments of silence. struggling with this similar to the way that commentary described maybe maybe your prayer is just father As your eyes are still closed. We're going to go into a time of musical worship. There'll be time to take the, the, Lord's, the Lord's supper, the Lord's brunch. <laughs> communion. Where we will celebrate this Jesus who died in our place, who died to reconcile us uh, to God. To, to, he signed our adoption papers with his blood. That whole reality that changed was because of his work. So we're going to take communion. Um, but, but, but before we do, I just want to encourage you to ask so get in the habit of this is there anything that church isn't just a spectator thing you come and watch some people do some stuff on stage but, but just, just take a second especially if you're a follower of Jesus and just ask you know Holy Spirit is there anything you want me to say to anyone in this room to encourage them to build them up especially pertaining to this idea of God as Father ask Him for a, for a face and a word it could be a scripture it could be a literal one word it could be a picture it could be hey I just want to pray over you that Jesus the Father loves you today he wants you to know that. I'm going to tap your shoulder and say, I just want to bless you and say, The Father loves you. It could be more elaborate. If you're not sure, again, as elders, we'd love to chat to you if you're nervous before you go talk to a person. But I want to open that up while we stay. We're singing, we're praying for each other, we're prophesying over each other, we're taking communion together. It's the brothers and sisters, the kids of this really good dad who doesn't just love us, but he likes us. Um, last thing I, I want to say to you before we open our eyes and get started is just um would you ask the spirit to just help you not be too cool for these moments let's not be cynical um i told you guys uh ashley and i went to a conference uh, a few weeks ago and and um they had us do this exercise where they literally they were like what we want you to do is take a walk and um literally ask god to to put something on your path." that reflects a barrier between you and him and or could reflect his love for you. And you like literally take a walk and, um, and I actually thought initially, you know, it was kind of hokey and kind of goofy, but what was crazy was it was like, it's like, I don't think God can speak to me, basically is what I'm saying. Like I, I, I put out this request and it was amazing to see what people brought back. This one guy brought an empty Reese's wrapper and he said it represented him seeking pleasure that's actually empty he felt like God spoke to him really clearly about it. And he was calling him to make a change. And, and so um, even today, as you go through your day, this, this, this answer to the Spirit's prayer, your prayer to the Spirit that he would show the Father's love to you would, you, would you look around and see what he's doing in your life? There's probably signs of his love everywhere. The ultimate sign is the cross. And I think personally, he wants to remind you of that sacrificial love. So one of them we'll dive into right now is communion, but they're all over. And so would you say, Father, would you show me your love around me through people and situations, through pieces of trash, through circumstances that you allowed to happen to get my attention? Would we not be too cool to see God in every day? And so, Father, we, we love you. Help us love you more. And, and I ask that you would help this, this group of men and women. I pray that you would help them to see themselves the way that you do. Not just loved, but liked. Not just tolerated, but enjoyed. Not just accepted, but desired. So as we sing to you, would you um, unleash just pockets of your love in this room. Through communion, through prayer, through prophecy, through song. It's in Jesus who made it possible to have this relationship with you, Father. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So feel free to stand. Feel free to sit. Feel free to continue to sit quietly. With the Father, feel free to sing passionately. Feel free to grab communion. Feel free to go and pray for someone. Um, Just let the Spirit lead you to the Father's love.